We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. It is episode six twenty today. As the Packers get ready for the draft coming up at the end of the, the month of April, uh, my name is Mike Winland. I'm joined by Tyler Grizzagork, as always, and joining us during this draft season, Matt Freilich's with us now as we kind of break down some prospects, what to look for in April, and I guess for both you guys, before we get started, uh, how are you guys doing at home, and how's everything going for you guys? Uh, I'll, I'll start, because I'm the guest, I guess, Tyler. Uh, so, it's going pretty well. I mean, every day, I feel like, is a new challenge, like... Uh, I'm fortunate. I live in Green Bay. I actually have a family cottage in Sturgeon Bay. So I actually drove up there for the day, kind of hung out for a few hours. It was nice out, came home. So that was like a little break in action. Otherwise, like just being at home all the time is really strange. Like I actually considered this past week just to like lower my car insurance because I'm like, I'm not using it. But yeah, I don't know. I'm doing okay. Well, it's fu- it's funny you mentioned the lowering of the car insurance because I literally just did that last week. I was like, I had the same th- same exact thought. I was like, I'm not even using this right now, so why am I paying arm and a leg for good for good car insurance? But, um, you know, myself as well. I, you know, baseball season was supposed to start this past week and it has not, and so 
for for me, it's uh, very out of character, and I don't really know what to do with myself right now because there's also not a lot that we can do for baseball at, at this point in time. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting and seeing. So uh, just trying to find everything I can to kind of keep myself busy, and uh, lately that's been the NFL draft. So I'm kind of kind of glad we get to jump into that now. That's yeah, I'm glad you guys can do that because I am actually I'm still working, uh, and I put it I, I put in a nine hour day on Saturday, so I'm still going through the normal motions somewhat, but luckily you guys have been able to put in a lot of time studying film and talking to a couple guys, and we do have a couple prospects we're going to break down on the offensive side of the ball in today's episode, but before that, there was some interesting news that came out on Saturday about when the league might be able to start up, and when we might actually see football this season. Uh, President Trump had talked with the commissioners of every major professional sports league in North America at noon Saturday. And he thanked them for being proactive with getting everything shut down and getting, getting everything and start streamlining the effort to help get everyone safe and, and helping people trying to understand how serious this issue is. But he also says that he hopes and he thinks that we might be having football in September. And that's still a long ways away, so we don't know for sure, but I think that's a worthy goal to seek for. And hopefully we can get that goal just because it'd be such a, a beacon of hope for a lot of people to be able to watch sports again live and, and instead of seeing these flashbacks, which have been great in these old these old games, but being able to see live sports, again, I think, would be a huge bo- uh, benefit for America to and the world to kind of slowly get back to normal. Uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts on what you might have heard from sources and what would happen in the call? I mean, like you said, Mike, it, he, he rallied, uh, President Trump rallied everyone up, right? I mean, he had uh, McMahon in there. He had... Uh, Roger Goodell. I mean, he had everyone. Um, Dana White, like you mentioned. So it's it's that September timeline is like wow. And I think that just goes back to every day is new. Like what I started off this podcast, it's like a new challenge. And I mean, I think a few weeks ago we're like, okay, April first, and now it's like, yeah, maybe like the beginning of fall things will get back to normal. Even at that point, like I know there's still definitely going to be some stipulations around people coming to the stadium and medical checks. So it's. It's a long process, but at least is is light at a foreseeable long, narrow, dark tunnel. Yeah, I, I'm ready for sports just to get back to normal. Personally, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to take these precautions because it, April is a great time to be a sports fan. From the NCAA tournament to the NFL draft to baseball starting up, all, all these different things that are going to be put on hold, and some of them won't even get to resume, like the NCAA tournament. So I, I'm ready for things just to get back to normal personally, um, although I will honestly say that a little bit of a break from sports uh, every day has been nice, but at the same time, I'm ready to get back to the normal, and I'm hoping that the NBA gets to resume their season because I need these bucks to make a push for an NBA final. So uh, that that's kind of where I'm at right now, but I'm definitely ready for everything to get back to normal. No, yeah, I'm with both you guys. I, I agree with that, and and I with same days I don't want to get political at all with this, but I just think having just like a time frame to shoot for, even if it's just a lofty goal, whether it's realistic or not, I think is big. No matter what what side we may stand on, and I think having that goal and like you said, I miss the NBA, I miss the NHL playoffs coming up. Uh, WNBA was supposed to start this month. Soccer's going. NASCAR's supposed to be going. Indy 500's coming up in May. There's all these things that have been closed off that have that have been these big cultural events that have had hundreds of thousands of people. I know the Preakness is getting moved and golf and tennis and everything. And just to have something that we can. Hope, look forward to hope for, I think, is, is big right now because we are in very uncertain times and things are, it's, it is dangerous right now. And 
you do need to be prepared. But I do think having that light at the end of the tunnel potentially could really make this thing feel a little bit safer and a little bit better for us going forward. But that, that's kind of a recap of what happened on Saturday afternoon. We'll see where it goes from there over the next few months, few weeks, and so on and so forth. But I think it's time for us to turn our attention to the NFL draft. But before we get to that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at Pack A Podcast. Listen wherever podcasts are found, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. We are there. And it's draft time. We're just a few weeks away. And round one's going to be interesting. Packers have picked 30. A lot of people expect to trade out. I expect them to trade out. But there are some prospects out there who are likely going to be available around that spot, and a couple of them on the offensive end are wide receiver Jalen Rieger and offensive tackle Josh Jones. So we're going to uh, take a look at both those guys, break them down a little bit, what you can expect if they end up in Green Bay, what their role might be, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and luckily, Matt and Tyler, you guys have done a little more work, a little bit more film work than I have on them, just because time, time, and you guys are much better in the film study than I am. So I guess let's start with Jalen Rieger. So Rieger comes in 95 out of TCU as a junior. He seems to be a guy who's a big play guy, really explosive, but it seems like his size could be an issue. So Tyler, I'll go to you first. What have you seen from Rieger and what what, what can people expect to see from him? It, I think that the nutshell that you just laid in front of us is exactly how I would describe Rieger. Uh, he's a he's a game breaker and there's there's no other way to describe him other than that. He put the ball in his hands and he could take it to the house at any on any touch and any play. There are some legitimate concerns in terms of him translating his skill set currently to the NFL level. Uh, he He's not the best in his contested catch situations, i.e. using his size, the minimal amount of size that he has. And so that's something that he's going to have to learn. Uh, you know, you see a guy like a Tyreek Hill do it at the NFL level, and you know that these smaller, quicker, uh, slimmer-built receivers, and I'm not even saying that Rieger's slim-built because he's, he's a rock for his size, but... These guys can they can they can find success at the NFL level, and I think that that's honestly what Rieger's upside is as a Tyreek Hill level player. Uh, he, he's just got some work to do, and I think that the teams are going to recognize that, and he might slip into the back end of the first, i.e., at thirty with the Green Bay Packers, because man, if you can hit that, if you can tap that potential, you, you've got yourself a, uh, you've got yourself a heck of a football player. Excuse me. So, uh, Matt, how about you? You know, it's nice when I record a podcast for the first time with people, and at least I have somewhat of the same idea. We're in the same ballpark, right? So uh, looking at the film, uh, like going off what Tyler said, like, yeah, he's a game breaker, right? Like the, I would translate him to more of like a Percy Harvin, Debo Samuel type where thick, big body, he can do it all. He can punt return, kick return, uh, jet sweep. I saw a few that he did. Uh, his jump ball is pretty decent. He's got good body control. But, yeah, I mean, he needs work. Like I was watching his combine stuff and route running, not that great. Rounding off routes, uh, cone drill, not great at all. I just, I, I know he's definitely going to be a project and most guys are coming out. I mean, no matter what position you play, there's going to be some learning curve. There's going to be some skills you have to, you know, chisel away at and, and, and perfect. But, um, given the proper offense, which I think the Packers would have for him, given the proper coaching, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, veteran receiver Devontae Adams, I think he could be a, a dynamic player for the Packers or whoever drafts him. Uh, the receiver class is ex- super deep. I'm sure you guys know that. Not any surprise here. So I, does he stay in the top You know, first round? Maybe. I, I could see him falling out. I think there's a ton of names out there that are cluttering that receiver class. But 
I mean, he has the potential to, like I said, fill that role of like a Debo Samuel, Percy Harvin, Tyree Kill, as um, Tyler mentioned. I think he's a great athlete playing receiver, and he's he's thick. I mean, he he benched 225 17 times. Like, that guy's big, and his dad played defensive end. So, like, football pedigree, he's a monster. So, kind of building off that, Matt, when you talk about guys being a project like him, with, with having an abbreviated offseason that we're going to have, no mid offseason programs until maybe training camp. How big of a risk is that for a team drafting at the end of the first round who was a game away from a Super Bowl appearance, drafting a project now in the first round after they drafted a project last year? Is that a too big of a risk? Do you think they would go with someone maybe a little safer, someone who's who is a little more polished, a little more productive than what the the sky high ceiling that Rieger might have? For sure. That's a great question, and I've actually had that conversation with many people over the last few weeks, right, since this quarantine has hit and the sports world has just come to a screeching halt. Like how, um, for instance, like, you know, Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay, like what's he going to do? Like there was talks and rumors that he's going to fly the the squad out to Montana, put him in quarantine for 14 days, and just then start playing. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's legitimate concerns when you're bringing someone into either side of the ball to learn terminology that learning curve is going to be so hard. You can't really do what you would normally do on an offseason if you bring a guy in um, for rookie camp, minicamp, what have you. So if he is a project guy, uh, maybe he doesn't fit, like you're saying, Mike. Maybe someone like – I'm a fan of T. Higgins. I think he'd be a guy that would be there late. Um, LaVisca Chenault, I think, is a similar – leans more towards Jalen Rager as far as what he can do on the field. But I, I think that makes a lot of sense like you said, to maybe avoid a project and know maybe someone can come in, hit the ground running. If there's no preseason, maybe finally, you know, for, through the first four or five games, finally contribute that way. So that that's a great point. And uh, Tyler, before we start recording, we were talking about where you have Rieger slotted in, and we all kind of know the top three receivers are CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. But after that, you have Justin Jefferson, Rieger, Chenault, K.J. Hamler, Denzel Mims, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Higgins, Van Jefferson. There's all these receivers kind of grouped together. Where would you put Rieger in the kind of that slot, and where do you think is the right spot for him to go in the draft? I, I think he's on the top end of that, that second tier of guys, and the reason for that is because of the upside. You know, we were talking about the upside. I compared it to a Tyreek Hill level ceiling. Uh, I, I honestly believe that's the type of player he could become. Now, when we say project, when I say project, I'm talking about a guy who just, who's not ready to be a number one wide receiver. If the Packers took him in the second round with the intentions of him being their second receiver, perfectly fine. He's a guy, he, 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 he provides a skill set that they do not have. He is a guy who could come in and he could be a complimentary player to a Devontae Adams, uh, a Jay Sternberger, assuming he's going to be getting a lot of work over the middle. You know, uh, Rieger's a guy you can attack vertically and, and get, you can get creative with him behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to have control as a possession receiver. That's pretty much what he is nowadays. And then, you, you know, you've got a guy like Devin Funches who, who's a big question mark coming in, but he's that big bodied, vertical presence, red zone threat that they didn't have either. If they can add Rieger to that mix of guys, they've really got a good complement of guys. And so, Coming into the draft, if you're getting him in the second round, I think that he really belongs in the the upper echelon of that second tier of wide receivers with the Justin Jefferson and the T. Higgins. Those are probably the three guys who really highlight that second tier of wide receivers. And you're walking out of there in the second round with a guy like Jalen Rieger, and you're doing perfectly fine, in my opinion. 
So you say second round, so you think 30 might be a little too rich for him early on. But but w- with that being said, would he would he be a perimeter guy? Would he be a slot guy? Would he be a returner? What do you think his role would actually be? Well, at TCU, he primarily plays outside. He didn't play inside the slot a lot. You know, as we mentioned, uh, Matt and I both, he's still learning the wide receiver position. I think in my evaluation notes, I put tremendous athlete who's still learning how to play receiver, exactly how I concluded my evaluation of him. And That's know, exactly what I put, like, <laughs> verbatim. That's exactly, like, almost to the T. It's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, uh, that's what you're, that's what you're adding in the second round, and that's perfectly fine. He's a, it's a high upside pick. I don't know what the floor is for Rieger, and I think that's a scary part for me. Because the floor could be, he could be a guy. Just a guy who comes in and is fast. If he's a, if he's unable to grasp the wide receiver concepts that he needs to grasp, like route running, or, Actually, it's probably his biggest problem is route running, but just just the little nuances that go into becoming an NFL receiver nowadays. If he's un- unable to grasp those, he could really just flame out rather quickly. But I-, I don't see that happening. I think he's a solid a solid player regardless. It's just a matter of how how high can he go in terms of his development. Well, it sounds like you're describing is his ceiling is early Minnesota Percy Harvin, and his floor might be end of career Seattle Percy Harvin. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. So with that being said, that that's one of the big receivers out there. We'll see what, what uh, Brian Gutekinds c- calls from home on draft night if they take a receiver. But on the other side, you can never have enough big guys, and that includes on the offensive line. And obviously Rick Wagner now in. He's the right tackle. You you need to build for the future there. Uh, David Bakhtiari is coming up on a contract. He's not getting any younger. You need that tackle for the future and one guy that's been bandied about has been Josh Jones out of Houston. A 6'5", 3'11". He had a really, really good senior bowl. And if I remember right, he did pretty solid at the combine as well, and he, and he interviewed pretty well. But he still seems kind of in that second tier. And for a guy who's a, who was a redshirt senior, maybe he didn't take that next step that people thought from what I've been reading on reports and stuff that I've seen a little bit. And, and Matt, I'll go to you, you first. What are your thoughts on this Josh Jones, not the safety? Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? I was actually looking through my camera roll uh, on my phone, and I had this old roster, and just someone had put it together last year around this time, and Josh Jones is slotted as, like, the inside linebackers. But I'm like, get this guy out of here. I want this new Josh Jones, potentially, this tackle. Like, physical, uh, played you know last year uh, as the, the left tackle for the Houston Cougars. I, I mean, he dominates in the in the run game. That's what I noticed right away. Like he's able to get to the second level when he needs to get a, a second block and you know chip off that inside linebacker or a safety creeping up in the box. So that was what jumped off the page at me there. Um, I I'm not great when it comes to analyzing linemen. I think bigger the better, and as long as you're fleet of foot, that that helps too. And I did see a few times where in pass protection. Uh, maybe lateral movement wasn't as strong as you'd like to see, and that's why I think he might fill in, like you mentioned, Mike, um, in that right tackle position. Uh, may, I think my idea is that Rick Wagner is just like kind of a temporary solution as you know we transition out of the Brian Bulaga phase, and then obviously Blackthier gets his money, and it just you know everything goes according to plan, like it always should, right? So I, I think he's a big body, physical. I think he can hold it down, but. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm sitting with him. I think he, he'd be a solid fit. What about, Tyler? What, are you, what did you come across? Yeah, I, I also think he'd be a good fit. You know, it's I'm going to compare this to the Elton Jenkins pick last year. I, I don't think 
right now, when we're looking at Elton Jenkins and Josh Jones, I think Elton Jenkins' career development path is on a much higher course at the at this point in time. However, the reason I'm comparing the two is I think Josh Jones would be a solid, not sexy pick that is really going to sneak up on you by the time you're hitting week 16 in the 2020 NFL season. You're like, wow, that was actually a really good pick because we needed that. And I think Josh Jones could be that. He's not overly dynamic. He's not elite in any one category, but he's just solid. And, and I, I think he has more work to do, as you mentioned, in the pass protection area of his game than he does as a run blocker. But even as a pass protector, I don't think there's a huge liability or deficiency there. I, I, there's definitely fine-tuning. And as we said with Rieger, these guys all have something to work on. Unless you're getting a guy like a C.D. Lamb or a Jeffrey Akuda or a Jedrick Wills, unless you're getting one of those top five to ten guys, these guys are not going to be perfect. And you just have to understand what is correctable and what is not. And so I think that Jones's flaws – are correctable and I think that his I think his floor in the NFL is a solid starting right tackle uh, or solid starting tackle he's played both and then the you know the ceiling is a very very solid starting tackle and so I, I that's I think something that you can spend a second round pick on you know like Rieger I think it's a little bit rich for my blood to do it at 48 or I'm sorry at 30 I have, I have rankings here in front of me so at 30 uh, but you know somewhere in the second round I think you pull that trigger. No, I'm with you both on that. I think he's a second round guy. You may have to move up a little bit to get him. You may have to make a, get rid of a couple late picks to try and move up four or five spots in the second round to maybe grab him because all of the tackles are basically gold in the draft and they do go on runs and they go very fast. Uh, but Tyler, I'll ask you about this one with Jones having a big senior bowl. How big was that for him playing in a smaller conference against probably lesser competition on as far as defensive lineman goes? How big was it for a guy like him to have a good performance against that topper tier competition in drills? Oh, it's very important. You know, when you get when you get into the positions like offensive line and defensive line, uh, sometimes when you get into the smaller schools or the lesser conferences, they just don't get matched up with the same level of athlete. You know, when you want when you watch a wide receiver, you can pick out the certain types of skills that you that you want in the film, regardless of the athlete that is lining up across from them. That's not always the case when you get into the offensive line and defensive line. So the fact that he could go into the senior bowl and perform as well as he did, it was a huge testament to uh, the rising of his draft stock now and hopefully the skill set that he brings to an NFL team. And then, Matt, a similar question for you. Uh, how big is it for a guy who's now five, who played uh, for five seasons in college, played for four, but he was there for five? He's he's a little he's gonna be a little older. He's gonna come in a little more experience than some of these younger guys coming in. Having all those games at, at tackle, having all those reps at tackle, how big is that for a guy coming into the NFL? Where much like Rieger, we may see an abbreviated offseason program. How big is it for a guy to have that many reps coming into the NFL? Well, it's huge. I mean, it's he just played a, a ton of football games. He is able to probably play both sides. Had a good Senior Bowl, like you said, and. It's, I, again, personally, just the way I view defensive line, offensive line, I think there's not as many technical things that you can, like, plug and play a guy like an Elton Jenkins. Like, he contributed last year and did really, really well. I think um, if any team needs a left tackle or right tackle, he'd be a plug and play guy. Uh, I know Tyler had a name that he mentioned from last year's draft. I can't remember the name he wanted to compare him to. Uh, Howard, is that what you said, Tyler? Yes, Tyler. Uh, Titus Howard, yep. 
So he got reps in last year too. Like it's just I I think it's a big big opportunity for him to probably sneak up even closer towards that first round just because of the fact that if you need an offensive tackle and you don't want to go out and spend a ton of money on some middle tier guy and you know whatever, I think it'd, it'd be a, a really good investment for a team to make. And there's no there's nothing wrong with ever you know, solidifying your defense line or especially your offensive line. And it kind of seems to me, Tyler alluded to it a little bit, it almost seems like it'd be one of those picks the Packers would make with all those receivers out there, the potential of having inside linebacker defense alignment sitting there, possibly a hybrid type safety. And all of a sudden they grab a offensive tackle and we just sit and we're like, oh, well, hopefully they get a pass catcher in the second round. So I guess kind of building up that with both you guys, as we slowly start to wind things down here, breaking down these two guys, you you both said that you probably wouldn't take either of these two guys at 30. Where do you think they actually end up going, and do you think either of them last to 62? Uh, Tyler, you go first. I hate these types of questions because it's so, de- <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so dependent on how the draft board falls. I, you know, when I'm looking at the the tackle and the wide receiver class specifically, um, and you know, I'm big into fantasy football. The way I, the way I run fantasy football drafting, and for me personally, is I do it in tiers. So you have to look at it in that way, in that context. I, I, I think Josh Jones is the leading tackle in that second tier. So when the first four guys are, are gone, you know, there's a strong chance that Jones is not going to make it to the end of the second. There's a, there's a very strong chance that Rieger is not going to make it to the end of the second. However, when we look at the draft last year, who was sitting there at the end of the second? DK Metcalf. So we don't know yet. It's really going to be dependent on how these teams draft quarterbacks. Um, you know, free agency is starting to give us a better idea of what these teams will be looking for. And based off of the activity in free agency, there could be a lot of wide receivers to go in the top 50. Tackles, uh, tackles got paid in free agency, so maybe that's the you know the opposite there. Maybe the tackles fall a little bit more than we expected. So I don't think either are available at the end of the second. However, a trade out out of thirty, you know, you move into the mid second, early to mid second, and then you net yourself an extra late third or early fourth or whatever it is. You know, I think that that's a very strong possibility, and I think they can get either one of those guys there. I I have to reference what Mike said a few times or even before we started recording, just like how sought after offensive tackles are, right? And a fifth year guy. Uh I think that's that speaks volumes. I I would say Josh Jones is gone before forty five. And then as far as Jalen Rager, like it, it's honestly a crapshoot to me as far as receiver goes. Like there's so many guys I could it, you could tell me there's a dozen receivers picked in the first two rounds and I would be like, okay, like whatever that sure. And Jalen Rager would be one of those guys. Right. So it's really just depend. And there's fringe guys. So it depends again, how these GMs and offensive coordinators and coaches fall in love with them. And it sounds like there's buzz around like Denzel Mims for the Packers now. And a few weeks ago is LaVisca Chenault. Like who knows what you know the f- subsequential weeks will have just leading up to it. Maybe all of a sudden Rager will be the guy for the Packers and they'll run with him and, you know, draft him in 30. And we're all wrong. But um, I think it's just really impossible to slot a receiver other than like the three that you guys had mentioned, Judy, uh, Ruggs and Lamb. So I'm going to say, I'll say he's. I'll say Rager's still there, um, and the, at the back end of the second round. I will say this about Jalen Rager real quick. Josh Jones to me, it doesn't. There's nothing off the tape that's like, God, I gotta have this guy. 
Jalen Rager could make a GM go crazy and say, I need to have this wide receiver. I need to take him whenever I can. That's the only difference there. And so <laughs> if you had told, if you tell me, you know, the NFL draft was this past weekend that I get to watch and you tell me that Jalen Rieger was a top 15 pick, I'd be like, all right, I get it. I get it. I don't necessarily agree, but I get it. And if you tell me Josh Jones is top 15, top 15 pick, I'm like, there's no way. Like, so that's, that's the difference between Jalen Rieger and Josh Jones. I think Josh Jones has a little bit more of a solidified range of picks, whereas Jalen Rieger's is just all over the place. You know, Tyler, I'm with you in that. And I think, I think with, with Rager, you t- and you t- we talked about it earlier with, with the trends of these smaller, bigger, stronger receivers like Tyree Kill, Debo Samuel, Tyler Lockett, uh, these guys that are really starting to, to find their and become stars, that could push up a guy like Rager, who's such a big play home run threat, where every time he touches the ball, it could be a 70 plus yard touchdown no matter what. Or there, that's always that possibility. And I think that could push him up boards. Teams, Obviously, like Minnesota needs a replacement for Diggs. That could push guys like Rager up. And so I guess the last thing I'll ask for both of you guys, if you're at whatever pick the Packers are doing, and those are two guys are both there, which one are you taking if you're the GM? Go ahead, Tyler. Jalen Rieger. Yeah, I'd have to agree. That's It just makes sense. Like You can get an offensive tackle maybe next year. In between, you know, if Ricky Wager's gone, Rick Wagner's gone, but you, you really need a pass catcher. Like that's simple and plain and a speed dude. And I think Tyler, or excuse me, I think Jalen Rager fits that. I mean, I wish I was a speed dude, but I just, <laughs> so I mean, you can, hey, you can get probably like 10, 15 reps of 225. I guarantee it. <laughs> maybe, maybe like a, a year ago. Maybe, I don't know. Not, <laughs> not since the quarantine started. Anyway, uh, but the reason I'm going with Jalen Rieger at 30 over Josh Jones, it's just, you know, it's all about the sex appeal there. It's, there's just, there's just more of it. It, it. It's a better, it's a more, it's a flashier pick. It's a better pick for the team at that time, in my opinion. I don't know. I, like I said, I just don't ever see Josh Jones being spectacular, whereas Jalen Rager does have that ability. No, I'm with both of you guys 100%. I, I think, and if they get one of them, whether it's they trade out, because I mean, last time they traded out of 30, they got a pretty good wide receiver out of it. Uh, when they took out, when they traded down to get Jordy Nelson, but it's it's always if you can find a good receiver and you can find a guy who's a big play guy and he does pan out, that only makes your offense that much more powerful. And if the Packers can find a guy like that, and if Rieger becomes that in five years, this this whole discussion is basically moot, and we we know what he what he can do, and we know what the ceiling that he's he's hit or and achieved, and I, I think at that point you kind of take the swing. I, I agree with you guys. So that, that's basically our scouting reports. Very brief about Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, and Jalen Rager, the receiver from TCU. And so as we start to wrap things up, Tyler will go to you. And uh, what are you working on right now, and how are you keeping yourself busy? Well, it's a shame that the NFL uh, draft is only three weeks away, and that the Cheesehead TV draft guide has already been um, has already been released. Essentially, so you know you're out there. Uh, get you had your, hopefully you got your pre-order, saved a couple bucks. But uh, if you want to learn more about Jalen Rieger and Josh Jones, uh, shameless plug here. Go go buy that uh, Cheesehead TV draft guide. It's a lot of it's a lot of really great content. It's not only draft guide material, uh, you know, profiles on prospects and stuff like that. There's a, there's actually really a couple of really cool stories in there. Um, Al does a great job of putting it all together. Uh, so the crew over at Cheesehead TV puts that puts that together every year, and it's, it's definitely worth your your 
10 bucks in my opinion. So go check that out. Uh, I'm over at Dynasty Nerds uh, writing fantasy football stuff. So uh, that involves, uh, with it being Dynasty, that involves watching prospects. So I get to, you know, fortunately uh, correlate the two together all the time. So that's it's a pretty good fit. But Dynasty Nerds and uh, the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide. Check them out. And uh, Matt, what are you working on? Yeah, I kind of doubled down on this free time, work from home stuff. So uh, I was fortunate enough in the last few months to finally launch a website called uh, PackersWorldwide.com with uh, Ryan Bowman. He's a Canadian Cheesehead fan, and we've been cranking out content. He actually just had his second child over the weekend, a baby boy. So, uh, yeah, so visit us on uh, PackersWorldwide.com. Also doing a uh, simulation of the 2019 Packers season on Madden 20 with Dan Kotnick, who I normally do uh, the Pack-A-Day podcast with. And we've been just adding the new free agents to the roster, simulating it, commentating over it. We had 12 wood on yes, or, uh, last weekend. Uh, if you guys know who that is, he's contributes to the Jim Rome show quite a bit out of the, I guess, Fox Valley. Other than that, um, I beat Aaron Nagler and Madden over the week, so that was pretty much my highlight. So, yeah. Always good stuff. And it seems like, at this point, it seems like every Packer fan is having a kid. So congratulations to all of the new parents out there in, in Packer Nation. Congratulations and stay safe and, and the very best for you and your kids. Uh, and uh, as for me, I'm still doing my research on my, I'm going to do a long form article on the Packers, Ravens, and Patriots system and how they do player acquisition and how the similarities are there between those three and why they've been so successful over the past, it's called 15 years. So I'm working on researching that. That'll be on Dairyland Express sooner rather than later. Otherwise, yeah, just find us every Sunday now on the, on the Pack-A-Day podcast. So we'll be, next week we'll be breaking down the tight end class and whatever players we can find out of that and who might fit in Green Bay, who might be a good compliment to Jay Sternberger and who can maybe be a good protege for Mercedes Lewis. So stay tuned for that next week. Stay tuned for more of the Pack-A-Day podcast tomorrow. Again, it is every day. We, quarantine does not stop us. We are going to have content for you guys every single day here at Pack-A-Day. So follow us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Follow us wherever you can find us on podcasts or found, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. We will be there on Cheesehead TV as well. So for Matt Freilich and Tyler Grizzagork, this is Mike Welland saying so long for now. We'll talk to you guys again with more of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. And of course, and as always, go pack it.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. In hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.